Michigan State football is back. Let's go! You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. so back that is right Michigan State football is back in our lives hello everyone thank you so much for starting your day whether you're driving up to the game right now whether you're watching on YouTube Thursday night regardless we are within 24 hours of some Michigan State football and thank you so much for making us your first listen or your tailgating listen your drive to the game listen whatever it is thank you so much I'm your host Matt Sheehan this is Lockdown Spartans we do this five days a week here in the Lockdown Podcast Network. And also today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. If you ever want to reach out, LockdownSpartans at gmail.com. Let's just get into it. I could not be more excited right now. It is our Christmas. MSU football is back. And look, you could just feel it. You can smell it in the air. You can feel it everywhere. You can feel it in the build-up to the game, fueled by pregame conversations with your favorite fellow fans, visions of Spartan success, highlight plays, more Paul Bunyan trophies, and bowl game wins. You can feel it in the tailgating lots, shared with thousands of your closest Spartan family members, on grounds shared by fresh faces starting their MSU journey, two old pals that started their friendships on that same East Lansing soil decades ago. You can feel it in the stadium bleachers where chants of go green, go white ring from Brody to Hubbard, from the 50-yard line to the surrounding neighborhoods, and from the players' ears to the TV broadcast, and you could feel it. On the fields with Thorn Slinging, Reed Running, Broussard Jukin, Burger Trucking, Barker Barking, Coleman Mossing, Mosley Delivering, Snow Hitting, Barrow Barreling, Henderson Leveling, Windman Blitzing, Petrowski Sacking, Tuck Coming, and Spartans Winning. We can all feel it. College football is back. Spartan football is back. Let's have ourselves a beautiful day for football and get into this Friday episode here of Lockdown Spartans. So... Every single Friday this year, we're going to be doing our final thoughts. Okay, they might be keys to the game. They might be things we're looking for. A bunch of stats that are very important to this game. And how we're going to start off this episode is, well, we're just going to do the basic keys to the game here in the first segment. We're going to do what we're going to be watching for in the second segment. Also some random thoughts in there too, including a drinking game if you're into that sort of thing. And then in the third segment, as we will do every Friday... Five best bets. Let's get into the keys to the game, shall we? Look, Michigan State is 22-point favorites on betonline.net. This shouldn't be a close game, especially in the eyes of odds makers. And probably you are expecting this not to be a close game either. But that doesn't mean it's going to be a layup here, you know? Okay, I know the Central Michigan upset is roughly 15 years ago at this point, but... It happens, and when it happens, it leaves a scar that you just can't erase. So let's talk about the keys of the game and what MSU needs to do in order to set off into the Labor Day weekend with a stress-free victory. Item number one. Okay, this is definitely item number one. Contain Western's run game. Shut Sean Tyler down. 
Easier said than done. Sean Tyler, pretty athletic, pretty talented, pretty versatile fellow for the Western Michigan Broncos. Last year, 6.5 yards per carry. The year before that, 6.6 yards per carry. Last year, 13 touchdowns, 9 came rushing, 9 came I'm sorry, 9 came rushing, 2 came receiving and 2 in the return game as well. He's an all-purpose sort of back, 5 foot 8, a little undersized and really he's kind of what we are hoping Jarek Broussard will be for Michigan State this year. He's shifty. He's quick. He's got good top gear speed. If you get him in open space, well, you might be turning your head around because he might be running by you on his way to the end zone. He is the straw that stirs the Broncos drink on offense. But also, hey, he's he's the lightning in the running back room. Now, who's the thunder? It's old friend Ladarius Jefferson. That's right. Ladarius Jefferson started his career at Michigan State, left in the middle of his second year, and now... He's back home closer to Kalamazoo, playing for the Broncos, and he's having a pretty solid career at Western himself. Last year, 4.5 yards per carry, pretty solid, but also led the team in touchdowns last year with 10 touchdowns. If they get in the red zone, if they need some power, okay, Ladarius Jefferson is going to be running with the ball in Spartan Stadium again for the first time in a few years. So, item number one, okay, front seven, Pretty good at stopping the run last year. This is going to be item number one for game number one because, look, the passing game, which we will get to in a hot second here, maybe a gettable goal here for our Spartans. But before we get to that, item number two for keys to the game is get off the field on third down. This, of course, goes for every game, right? This is a key to every single game Michigan State will play this year. But why we're highlighting it is because, well, for two reasons. Last year, Western Michigan was top 20 in the nation. Last year, at third down conversion, they they converted at a 45% clip, which is pretty strong. Now, obviously, things have changed. They've lost their quarterback. they got to replace two tackles, their best receiver. But let's talk about us. Let's talk about Michigan State here, because last year, MSU's defense saw the opponents convert third down at a 39% clip, which is below average nationally. And look, a lot of that had to do with pass coverage, the secondary, and not just necessarily cornerbacks and safeties, but also the linebackers too. Mismatches with, you know, one linebacker being tagged on the wrong guy here and that going completely sideways. So yes, third down conversions were kind of a thorn in Michigan State's side. I think it's one of the most underlying storylines from last year. So let's get this started on the right foot for Michigan State. Again, uh, hey, third down defense is the name of the game for all these games, but after last season, yeah, it would be really nice to get started on the right foot here if you're Michigan State. And let's just talk about another thing that we'd love to see Michigan State get on the right foot with, and that is Michigan State's pass defense. Key to the game number three, shut this thing down. This is a wildly passable test for Michigan State secondary. This isn't just a test, but this is almost already in the confidence-boosting category if they do what they are supposed to do. Okay, look, we get it. Let's talk about Michigan State right now. You are getting everyone back that was hurt at the end of last year. You have Amir Speed. You have Xavier Henderson coming back. You also have linebackers 
in Jacoby Winman, Aaron Brule, Darius Snow, that are going to be solid, solid in pass coverage as well. Michigan State should have no problem defending the pass because also, well, let's talk about Western for a hot second. New quarterback. Okay. Redshirt freshman Jack Salopic only threw five passes last year. He's making his first start in front of 75,000 people under the lights on ESPN. Little nervy, okay? Western Michigan also lost four of their top five pass catchers from a year ago. The only guy that's in that top five in receptions and yards coming back, 5'11", Corey Crooms. Now, he's very good. I compared him to uh, Penn State's Jahad Dodson, if you remember him from last year. Undersized guy, surefire hands, good speed. But everywhere else, kind of a mystery. You don't really know what you're getting from the receiver room at Western Michigan. And also, the Broncos, like I said earlier, are replacing two of their starting tackles from a season ago. So that only helps. And yes, it's not just the secondary that can step up and pass defense. It's not just the linebackers. But also, with Western replacing their two tackles, Great time to get to the quarterback. Maybe the defensive ends can help speed things up for Jack Salopic to make his night as crazy as possible to help Michigan State's secondary play some solid defense. So, yes, this is a very passable test for Michigan State, and it will be a key to the game because if you eliminate the pass, all right, cool. You only got to worry about the run. Simple as that. And key to the game, number four, get your run game going if you're Michigan State. Look, hey, the the pass defense has a very, very passable test. The run game has somewhat of a passable test. It, It will be a good test for the run game, especially with so many question marks coming into the season. New running back. We always talk about that lack of depth at offensive line. So why is it a passable test for Michigan State? Look, Western Michigan is good. On defense, They had one of the best defenses in the MAC last year. Also, they are experienced. They returned all three of their linebackers from a season ago. They had great third down defense, and yet they were amongst the best in the MAC. However, even though they're really solid at defense, they did lack at one area, and that was, well, run defense. 4.7 yards per carry last year was given up, which ranks 100th out of the 130 FBS teams. So, yes, this is a good start for Jarek Broussard, Jalen Berger, and whoever falls behind them, whether it's Harold Joyner, Jordan Simmons, Eli Collins, and also a good spot for MSU's offensive line to get a good look at a good MAC defense. So, of course, the Broncos are solid at defense, but this should still be a passable test because at the end of the day, hey, you're the Power 5 team. You're Michigan State, and they are the Group of 5 team. You can bully them. You should be able to bully them. So those are your four keys right there. Of course, we got a lot more to talk about with this game. You know, we got a lot of things that we want to see. But first, I just need to talk to you folks about driving sober or getting pulled over. This is a big one, especially if you were driving to the tailgate or if you have plans to drive to the tailgate. Hey, look, I I, I get it. You know, you think that you might have a plan. You just think that, oh, it's going to be okay. I drive on the same roads all the time. I mean, what are the odds of running into a cop anyway? Well, uh, pretty high. It's pretty high. Are you one of those people who think it's okay to drive stoned if you get into that, this tailgate? And what's the worst that could happen? You know, if you smoke a little, drink a little, why you just end up driving a little below the speed limit? It's no big deal, right? Run. 
The truth is your reaction times slow way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you as well. Yes, talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high and, of course, drunk as well. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Simple as that. Drive high. Get a DUI. Make a plan on your way home from East Lansing. All right. Thank you. And... As we get back into some Western Michigan, Michigan State football talk, hey, just want to thank you all for making Locked On Spartans your first listen every single day here in the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, after the game on Friday night, I'm going to try to upload a video on YouTube just with reactions to the game, all that stuff. That episode will also uh, come out on the podcast on Monday morning as well. So if you're looking for some reaction immediately, um, by night on Saturday I should have something up. And also if you're a podcast listener, Hey, uh, it'll still be up on Monday as well. So, week one is always and will ever be a great time to look at some things that we're all interested in, right? Like some great storylines. How are the young guys going to do? The new guys going to do? All that fun stuff. So, here is what we will be watching for on Friday night, either in Spartan Stadium or at home on your television. I Hey, look, I'll get the obvious one out of the way first. It's the young offensive lineman. Without a doubt. We've talked up and down this whole offseason. You've probably read it in any message board, any articles that you read that, yeah, the, the, the biggest concern is the offensive line depth. And while we do feel good about our starters, look, you have Spencer Brown, Jarrett Horse at your tackles, Matt Carrick, J.D. Duplain, Nick Samak, and Brian Green, those four guys rotating between the three spots in the interior. Fact of the matter is they probably won't be playing the entire game. You knew you do need guys to spell them and give them a break every once in a while. So when that happens, all eyes, all eyes on the young guys. You know, we're talking, of course, Brandon Baldwin. We're talking um, Ethan Boyd on the outside tackles. Dallas Fincher, Geno Vandenmark. I've uh, apparently actually heard good things about out of camp. So how good can they be against, again, a solid Western defense? What we'll be watching for as well, and this could be a very Quick answer that we will get on Friday. What on earth do you do, you do with Jacoby Winman? We just talked about this with Justin Thin of 24-7 Sports, but as we're creeping closer to kickoff, this is getting more and more interesting is how they are going to play Jacoby Winman. Is he just going to be your typical everyday linebacker, you know, like he was at UNLV? Or is he going to be on that edge, the stand-up edge? Are we going to see a front of Jacoby Winman, Jeff Petrowski on the outside, Jacob Slade and Simeon Barrow on the inside, which that sounds like a good front to me. And then if you do that, if you have Winman at the edge, that lets you have Darius Snow, Aaron Brule, and Cal Halliday behind you. That, yeah, sign me up for that front seven. That sounds like a great time. So, We'll see if it happens, or if Chris Bogle gets the start. If Winman starts behind Bogle in the linebacker slot, we'll see. So that will be a quick answer to get on Friday night. And also, speaking of defensive ends, you always hear things out of camp, how one player's doing or one position group's doing. But oddly enough, the defensive end group has had a lot of quietness around it. Like Chris Bogle, the, the transfer from Florida, not getting a lot of feedback as to how good, or I guess maybe not good, he's doing in camp. Uh, Brandon Wright has been talked up, 
But then again, how many times have we heard players get talked up only only for them to never play or change positions like Davion Prim? So is Brandon Wright actually going to be a key factor in this defense? Tank Brown, do you get anything out of him? Are young guys like Michael Fletcher, Zion Young going to step up perhaps? So the defensive ends is a very intriguing storyline, especially after the hiring of Brandon Jordan and Marco Coleman in the offseason. Also, what we'll be watching for is the third down defense. And what I mean by that is just not how good they do at stopping the Broncos, but who is on the field? Third down conversions for the defense did not go well last year, and a lot of it had to do with linebacker coverage. So are we going to see Cal Halliday on the field ever for a third down? Or is it always going to be Darius Snow, Aaron Boulay on third downs? Two linebackers that have the speed to keep up with any mismatches thrown their way. Also, um, yeah, let's just get to this right now. One of my favorite things to talk about because it stresses me out so much. Kicking. Kicking. Never before has a field goal been more anticipated than it will be on Friday. Look, we are all familiar with Matt Coughlin. Right uh, now, we got a new kid on the block. Whether it be true freshman Jack Stone, the returner in Stephen Rusnak, or the guy that just got off the plane 30 minutes ago in um, oh, Ben Patton. Sorry, it's blanking on his name there. A uh, kid out of Auburn. I think it'll be Ben Patton. Regardless of who it is, we just want to see a smooth kick for the first kick. I don't care if it's a 22-yard field goal, 52-yard field goal. I just want to see something that looks good off the foot. That's it. That's all we want to see. Just give us hope, please, this year for kicking, I beg you. Uh, also, Daniel Barker, uh, what will his usage be? Has he learned the playbook in the offseason fast enough? And also, will he just be a pawn in the passing game, or will, will he be tasked to block as well? A lot of eyes on number 12 as well, Chester Kimbra. Okay, dude was getting picked apart last year like uh, the, the anime kid during dodgeball uh, back in elementary school. Like he, he had a target on his back, and teams were going at him, going at him, going at And, you know, not, not just physically it wasn't going well, but I, I, I can only imagine mentally things weren't going well for Chester Kimber here. But he moves to the inside now. He's going to be lined up against slot receivers, maybe against running backs out of the backfield. Something a little more manageable than being split out completely wide. So does this help revive his mindset, his career, and give MSU another key defensive player? And a guy that we were all hoping could be really strong last year. So, hey, new position, new attitude. Let's see how it goes. And last but not least for things we'll be watching for is, let's talk about the most important position on the field, quarterback. Plenty of eyes on Peyton Thorne, and yes, this should be a game he does fairly well at. We've heard so much great offseason chatter about Thorne, whether it's coaches, whether it's players. They are talking up and down about how much Peyton Thorne has grown in the offseason, but he's got no Kenneth Walker III, and how does that affect play action? Because Thorne made a killing on play action last year, because defenses had to respect the best running back in the nation that much. Can he make hay with maybe a less effective play action or no play action at all? Will it take him time to find a groove? Because, look, I remember last year's Peach Bowl game. There was a month off between games, and it it, it took Thorne a little bit to find that groove. I don't know if it was rust. I don't know if it was the fact that he had Kenneth Walker. He had a new right tackle he was working with. I don't know what it was, but can he hit the ground running 
immediately in game action coming up. So that would just be very delightful because this this offense could very well go as far as Peyton Thorne wants it to go. Now, other just random thoughts uh, going into the game is I had the thought the other day that, holy crap, uh, there is an alternate reality, a very realistic alternate reality where, yeah, we're going to be watching Peyton Thorne and Jaden Reed play on Friday night, but for the other team, that's right, Peyton Thorne, was committed to Western Michigan before Mark Antonio flipped him to the Spartans. Jaden Reed wasn't just committed to Western. He actually played at Western for a year before transferring to Michigan State. We could be looking at a game with Thorne and Reed in Bronco uniforms. So, uh, like, who would MSU's quarterback be tonight, then, if that were to happen? Uh, is MSU even coming off of a double-digit win season last year if Thorne and Reed aren't on the team? Got a very hard time believing that they would because, well, yeah, they... Each had very key moments in the Spartans' 11-win season last year. Would this be a legitimate upset alert game? I, I think it would be. Uh, would I have to talk to a licensed therapist on the way to the game just to get my mind in a somewhat right spot? Uh, probably, because I don't think Michigan State would be 22-point favorites if Thorne and Reed run the other team. We're probably looking at a 8.5, mm, 9.5 favorite spread, and how many times do you see that busted, especially in week one so that's nice to have thorn and reed playing for the good guys this week and also if you're looking to spice up this evening uh with a drinking game here here are a few rules if you want to jot them down really quickly uh i don't know if we'll do this every week but we got to do it for week one because what better time to have a drinking game than right off the bat for the season okay take a sip every time the broadcast team says the word transfer that will be a heavy buzzword thrown around, uh, especially in the Mel Tucker era. So anytime the broadcast team says transfer, you take a sip. Two sips for every contract extension that they mention. Of course, Mel Tucker signs a $95 million extension. Maybe that's going to be a talking point right off the top. Take a sip for every chop motion you see Mel Tucker make. They cut to him on the sidelines. He gives the chop motion four times. That's four sips coming out of your can of beer, seltzer, whatever you're drinking. Uh, take a sip if you are watching at home and following online. Take a sip for every we didn't score on the first play joke that you see on Twitter. That's right. Of course, you remember last year, Kenneth Walker, 75 yards to the house. Um, when Michigan State goes for a four-yard rush and uh, has second and six, you, you can count on seeing at least a dozen. Oh, we didn't score on the first place. Scrap the program jokes uh, that you'll see on Twitter. So take a sip for every one of those. Uh, finish your drink whenever Peyton Thorne and Jeff Thorne and their connection are mentioned. Don't know if you know this or not, but Peyton Thorne and Jeff Thorne are related. And they're playing against each other. So finish your drink when the broadcast team inevitably brings that up at least once and also finish your drink when Thorne and Jaden Reed were high school teammates are mentioned that should have you in a pretty good spot by eh, midway through the first quarter actually yeah you should be feeling a little toasted uh that early on and last but not least I just want to thank everyone of course you know for listening daily but we had a big big milestone just hit and this actually happened over last weekend from last year's kickoff to this year's kickoff, we have just hit over 1 million combined YouTube views and podcast downloads. So I cannot thank you all enough for making that possible. You guys are the best listener base out there. And when I say we, of course I'm talking about you, the listeners. You know, Whether you're a 
once a month listener or God bless you, a daily listener. I'm talking about anyone that's ever emailed in a question, a segment idea, or anything like that. And of course, our awesome guests that we always have on that are very generous with your time. Hey, one million is a big number. Uh, definitely meant a lot to me, so I just want to extend some massive gratitude to you guys. Uh, let's let's get higher than that for the next calendar year, shall we? So just wanted to shout that out before we get to our five best bets. But first, just got to take a quick pause in the action. It's five best bets. We did it for uh, last week, week zero, and uh, we're looking to get on the right side of history this week because last week we went two and three. Um Okay, I took Nebraska. I did. I did. And I forced myself to walk around the whole week uh, wearing clown shoes for for some reason, trusting Scott Frost. I, I'll never learn. Anyway, uh, UConn, uh, they're only pretty bad this year. And not like the Connecticut government needs to step in and shut the program down bad. So that was very exciting. Uh, I did take Utah State minus a zillion points. They didn't cover. Wyoming, I don't have anything to say about that. Uh, but also, the two wins we got, uh, look, we took Vanderbilt minus eight, I think the spread was. They looked like 2019 LSU against Hawaii. Um, God, that was so sad to watch. Hawaii looks horrible this year. Uh, and then, hey, Nebraska and Northwestern, they, they at least did hit the over. So let's roll into this week's best bets. We'll start with our Spartan game going on today. Well, I am tempted to take... Michigan State minus 22, which is now the spread currently on betonline.net, where all these uh, lines are from. My official bet for this game will be under 54. Most of the public money is on that number. I'm joining the public, which usually doesn't bode well. But look, I, I trust Michigan State's offense to get their job done, to hit around 40 points. I don't necessarily think I trust Western Michigan's offense to hold up their end of the bargain. I think their pass game, knock on wood, can be non-existent here on Friday night. I think Michigan State's front is good enough to contain their run game. So, yes, I don't think it's a Michigan State issue that they won't score enough, but Western, I I, I don't know if I see it, so that's why I'm going to take under 54. The other Big Ten showdown that we are going to hit in five best bets is Illinois plus two and a half. And maybe I'm walking into a giant mousetrap here and I'm about to get my head lopped off, but I'm very puzzled why Illinois is underdogs against Indiana. Illinois, huge offensive line. Uh, The running back Chase Brown is going to be amongst the best. If not the Big Ten, then the entire nation too. Like this guy is the real deal. And also Illinois played in week zero. We see teams make leaps from week zero to week one all the time. I don't think this will be any different. And they're also playing an Indiana team that I sadly have very, very little faith in. I'm a Tom Allen fan. Uh, He seems like a great coach to play for, but I I don't think Indiana's it this year. So I am going to be taking the Illini plus two and a half. And also to round it out with three more bets, I'll go quickly through these. Florida plus three over Utah. Every single year there seems to be that darling that's in the top 10 that everyone in the media and college football fans all love like look last year it was North Carolina that everyone was fired up about or even Iowa State too if you want to throw that name out there as well North Carolina kind of started crapping the bed very early in the year they lost right off the bat to Virginia Tech I think this year's darling that's in the top 10 that's just going to flame out and not do as good as everyone hopes is is Utah 
I know we all look back on that awesome Rose Bowl that they played and know they were right there with Ohio State. Okay, it was an Ohio State that couldn't care less about being in Pasadena for that Rose Bowl, and they still lost to a sleepwalking Buckeye team that really didn't even celebrate the Rose Bowl win. Um, and look, Florida has quarterback Anthony Richards back, and I also like this portion too, that 71% of the bets are on Utah. Vegas keeps their lights on for a reason. BetOnline.net has currency to spend on uh, ad reads with podcasts, you know, for a reason. So, yes, I'm going to be taking the 29% and going with Florida plus three home underdogs against Utah. Georgia versus Oregon is over 53, and I'm going to be taking the over 53 here. I get it. Bo Nix versus Stenson Bennett doesn't really do it for me. However, the line opened up at 50. It's grown to 53, despite nearly 60% of the tickets being on the under. We got reverse line movement there. Let's go over 53 for that one. And last but not least, let's take you late in the weekend here. Clemson, minus 22 against Georgia Tech. Clemson is a lot better than people remember last year. I think the greater public started tuning out of those games pretty early on, but... They banged out six straight wins to get to a 10-win season last year. And also, on the contrary, Georgia Tech just isn't that good. It, it, the move to the spread offense is not going well for them at all. And uh, let's just shout out their non-conference schedule really quick. Georgia Tech has Ole Miss, Georgia, and UCF, as well as Clemson in their non-conference. That is, um, I'm sorry, no, Clemson is a conference game, but... Outside of the Clemson game, you get Ole Miss, Georgia, and UCF. Their athletic director must hate them. Just had to shout that out. All right, gang. Thank you so much for offering up your time if it's on game day. If, again, we drop these episodes a day early on YouTube, if you're listening on Thursday night, enjoy the next 24 hours. If you're listening on game day, thank you for spending some of your game day with us at Lockdown Spartans. You guys are truly the best. Again, we will be back. Saturday, I'm going to try to have the reaction video on YouTube. It will be Monday's podcast. And then next week, we'll talk with Stephen Brooks of 24-7 Sports. We've got an interview lined up with Greg Jones as well, who will be inducted in the MSU Hall of Fame. And you always know where to find us if there's any breaking news or anything we got to talk about. Locked on Spartans, your team in green and white, five days a week. Let's have a great tailgate. Mix in a water. Mix in a water every so often. I'm saying that for myself, too. I'm saying this out loud so I don't forget as well. But, hey, be smart. Be safe and be passionate about our Michigan State Spartans. Let's have a Friday. Love you all. Spartan football's back. Go green. Let's go. Let's go. God.